0: The Wobcast 2.0 And it's an exciting one For yours truly and my co-host Giles Because we're talking offensive line Specifically interior Offensive line And the totality of the offensive line For the Minnesota Vikings And the NFC North A A content topic That is near and dear to the heart Of especially Giles An offensive line guy, a guru One who is always talking about it Considering it, thinking about it Where did the Vikings rank? Looking at rankings, PFF, watching tape. He has opinions on it. So it's like a bland, boring topic, stereotypical-wise. But here at the Wobcast 2.0, and really in Vikings Nation, the offensive line is always top of mind, and we get to talk about it today at depth, and I'm excited to do so. To help me get through all of this is my co-host, Giles. Let's bring him in right now and talk O-line. Hey, buddy, how's it going?
1: Hey, hey, how we doing? Uh, happy Thursday. Really excited to chat through the interior offensive line. Uh, like you mentioned, offensive line is definitely a, a topic near and dear to my heart because when I think about the success formula for most teams to be able to go and win a, a ring at the end of the year, uh, offensive line is toward the top of one of those yes. success formulas. Uh, when you look at all the end teams at the end of the year, uh, when they make it to the dance or at least the NFC championship, one of the common denominators among all those teams is a great offensive line. Uh, I think there's other deficiencies that you can muddle through as a team but if you don't have a good offensive line it's really hard to win a super bowl so if you're trying to build a good team that's a great way to start building it from there
0: yep totally agree and it's you know like i said stereotypical wise it's boring it's bland you hear analysts or announcers say all the time you know nothing's happening with the offensive line or we don't talk about the offensive line unless something bad happens right so if If it's not being talked about, that means something good is happening. But I think Vikings fans would say offensive line has been an Achilles heel of sorts for them like for almost all of their years of being a fan, right? I mean, do you remember very many periods of time where the offensive line was a strength? I don't. And to your point, Giles, about how when teams get to the serious stages of the dance, they have a good offensive line. If you think back to the times when you were happy with the Vikings offensive line, those times happened to be periods where the team was achieving great success, right? Absolutely. And I think about the Purple People Eaters. They had a good offensive line in those days. I think about the 98 Vikings, and I think about the 09 Vikings. In Mm -hmm. those periods of time, they had great offensive lines, right?
1: Absolutely. Elevated the teams. They got to the NFC championship games yep. in those seasons. Uh, and ultimately, I mean, uh, a few things happened where we didn't make it to the, the the actual ring status there. But at the end of the day, it, it propelled us to go further than we have ever before. Uh, yes. It's one of the biggest uh, deficiency amplifiers on the team. If you have a deficiency there, that can cause more havoc on a team than any other position, in my opinion, yep. other yep. than maybe quarterback.
0: Yep, I to- totally agree. So uh, we're, we're going to get into it right now. Um, as I try and recover from losing my headphones here. But um, the other thing I was going to say about this, Giles, is um, I think if you do this the way we've been doing it, where you take a look at – because what we're doing for those if, – if you're catching us for the first time on these position um, analysis, we're evaluating every team in the NFC North – every position on their roster and comparing it to each other. Where do you stack within the division at each position? When we're all done, we'll take a look in totality at all the positions and um, we'll see how we feel about every team's roster. So this really gives you a good understanding of the team's depth and talent at every position. So when you're done with the exercise, you have a good understanding of each team's talent Mm -hmm. and depth from top to bottom of their roster. And so what we're doing is we're looking at starters at every position and then a key backup. So for for the offensive line, we did offensive tackles, left tackle, right tackle, and then a swing tackle. So we evaluated three players per team at that position. For the interior, we're doing left guard, center, right guard, and then a swing interior lineman. And so when you do that and then you pair it up with the offensive tackle, you get a great understanding of a team's situation at offensive line. And so you're you're listening to us do this right now, but I, I encourage listeners to do it themselves. And maybe mm-hmm. they don't wanna do the whole NFC North, just do the Vikings, just take a look. And if you just dedicate some time to it, it's amazing how much um, comprehension and understanding you can realize. Um, mm-hmm. Just by doing it for, for a half an hour or an hour, you, know, you dedicate some time and you become much more informed and you learn some things. You know, I'm sure you'd say the same for yourself, gals, but I mean, I learned about Zach Tom and Lucas Patrick. Zach Tom of the Packers and Lucas mm-hmm. Patrick of the Bears. Swing interior linemen who I wouldn't have known them from Adam um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But you do a little bit of studying on them and you just you you realize they're really good players for their teams and they're going to affect the season for the bears and the packers and you didn't even know they existed before you did this studying so um just you know i just encourage people to do it because it, it's a really a, an enlightening exercise uh, i have a lot of fun doing it i know you do uh especially with this position group and so i'm, I'm sort of excited to get to it here um I, I think the way we'll do it is let's just go um, team by team first mm-hmm. yes okay um we'll go team by team and then We'll sort of wrap that part of it up, and then we'll just take a look at it from a division-wise, and we'll stack them up, ranking, um, and then stack up the entire offensive line and rank it there. So we'll start with the Bears. Um, I presume uh, we're aligned here with the Bears on the interior. Left guard was Tevin Jenkins, center Cody Whitehair, right guard Nate Davis. Yes. All right. And then their swing interior, I I did Lucas Patrick. Is that who you selected as well?
1: That's who I had as well. All right.
0: So we're aligned there. Um, you know, Tevin Jenkins, to me, Giles, um, he, he he was actually named to PFF's 2023 all breakout team. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have an eye on, on Tevin Jenkins as well. Position flexibility, had 11 starts at right guard last year, has played some offensive tackle mm-hmm. uh, in his day. I gave him on a scale of 0 to 10, I gave him an 8. So I'm pretty high on him. I mm-hmm. like him a lot. I know PFF does as well. Part of my grade there is a bit of a projection. I'm projecting him to perform well. I think yep. if you graded him solely based on last year, I don't mm-hmm. know that you'd get to an eight, mm-hmm. but I think the arrow is pointing up for him. I like his position flexibility, um, and he's a guy that I'd like to have on my team. So I, I, I gave him an eight. Um, C- Cody Whitehair, I, I reached a pretty similar number grade with him. However, okay. the context around him I think is quite different. He's a veteran, not a young guy on the rise like Jenkins is. He does have some position flexibility, which helps him. I think he's tough. He's also smart and technically sound. I believe he had no penalties last year. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I think he's sort of plateaued or leveling off. I don't think the arrow is pointing up for Cody Whitehair anymore. I think any significant change that he would see would probably be a downward change. However, on a scale of 0 to 10, I still gave him an 8. So... Mm-hmm. Um, he gets an eight just like Jenkins does I think the arrows pointing up for Jenkins I think the arrows pointing sideways or down for Whitehair but still mm-hmm. a productive player for the Bears mm-hmm. Nate Davis I'm very high on <clears throat> Yep, um, great free agent signing uh, for the Bears this offseason 54 career starts five starts in the postseason definitely known as a run blocker uh, but actually had the highest pass blocking grade of his career last year um For a quarterback who was sacked as many times as Fields was last year, 55 times, a great addition uh, for the Bears. They get a really good player. I gave him an eight as well. An eight. And then uh, Lucas Patrick, their swing on a scale of zero to five, I gave him a four. I think he's got um, really good position flexibility. Actually started 13 games at center for Green Bay Mm -hmm. in 2021 and then had 15 starts between right guard and left guard in 2020. So Mm -hmm. um, he's got good – experience all across the interior the prototypical swing interior lineman definitely a guy you want on your team so he gets a four out of five uh as a swing interior so um for for me for the bears um eights across the board eight out of ten across the board for the starters and then they get a really high grade for lucas patrick at swing with a four out of five how about you
1: There we go. Uh, We had some uh, areas of overlap, uh, a few areas that we disagreed on. But uh, starting with the left guard with Tevin Jenkins, I agree. This guy is uh, 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 soon to be maybe an all-pro guard here. I mean, he was the third overall graded PFF um, guard last year out of 88 uh, qualified guards. He was third in run blocking. The part that brought him down, though, was pass blocking. Uh, He wasn't necessarily that great. He had a 65.9 grade in the pass last year, so he was... um, kind of below average, I would say, uh, when it came to pass blocking. He uh, did pretty well when pressures allowed, he was 11th. Uh, and then penalties, he was 39th. So he did have a little bit of an issue with penalties. Um, you know, So I think if he's able to, to clean up his pass protection and increase his uh, ability to prevent penalties, I think he'll be maybe one of the best guards in the league. Um, so uh, with that, I gave him an eight. Um, you know, With the opportunity for him to come a nine or a 10 because of what he uh, is able to do on the field, I think he's uh, a prototypical physical player when you want to guard. So I'm really excited to see the future of him. Uh, When you think about Cody Whitehair, this is where we maybe disagree a little bit. I think um, he had a a pretty phenomenal uh, starting season in 2016. Um, Unfortunately, he's been a little bit downhill from there. Um, I mean, he had a a 65.9 overall grade last year. Um, He did okay in the pass, okay in the run. Uh, I would say he's maybe average in some areas, a little bit below average. So I ended up giving him a five based on kind of a, a cumulative overall grade run block, pass block, pressures allowed and penalties uh, cumulative. Uh, I gave him a five with an opportunity for maybe him to go up to a seven, if he's able to bounce back. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think that is the deficiency of their offensive line there at the center position. Um, When you go to the right guard, I agree. Nate Davis, probably one of the most exciting free agent signings across the uh, entire NFL. I wanted us to sign him if we weren't going to continue on with Ed Ingram um but at the end of the day Nate Davis he's a dog uh 26 years old uh he was the 16th overall uh ranked guard last year amazing in the run um i wouldn't say he's amazing at the pass he's definitely a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker um he's decent in pressures allowed uh decent in, in I, I should say he's okay in penalties he does have a little bit of a penalty issue uh but for there i gave him a seven with the opportunity for him to go to a nine if he's able to clean up a little of those penalties and uh, improve his pass protection um but ultimately uh i think when you think about the the bears i think they have a decent interior um, yeah. and then for the the swing interior i had lucas patrick obviously um i gave him a three um he's not someone that gets me me really really excited but he's definitely not a train wreck so I gave him a middle of the road package uh for Lucas Patrick
0: yep so uh for me total um yeah. the Bears get a 28 you must be down there at a 24 is that 24. where you're at? yep 24 yep. out of
1: 35 correct okay
0: awesome yep. all right we'll see how that stacks up compared to the rest of the division we'll do the Vikings last let's go to Detroit right now Detroit. Uh, and for Detroit Let's align or point out our differences here on personnel. I have Jonah Jackson at left guard, Ragnow at center, um, Vitae at right guard, and then Glasgow as their swing.
1: Yep. We're aligned.
0: So Jonah Jackson, one of those guys, Giles, who probably not a household name across the league, maybe not even in Detroit, but. That's because O-line is underappreciated and not talked about. If the spotlight was on O-line as much as it should be, Jonah Jackson, you'd know his name. Um, Really good player. No sacks allowed last year. Third-round pick a few years ago out of Ohio State. Is a guy who will probably get extended very soon by the Lions. A building block, a foundational piece. Really good player. I gave him a 9 out of 10. Uh, Frank Ragnow is uh, a, a local kid. A guy I had my eye on um, when he came out in the draft was hopeful the Vikings would get him. That was a, a period of time for the Vikings where they needed a center. They ended up getting eventually. They ended up getting Bradbury, but Frank Ragnall was a guy a little bit earlier who would have been a great, um, a great player for the Vikings to sign. Um, also allowed no sacks last year, I believe. Highest rated player along the Lions' offensive line according to PFF last year. A really, really good player. You can't ask for much more out of a center than Frank Ragnow. I gave him a 9. Vitae, uh, a signing for the Lions a couple of years ago from the Philadelphia Eagles. Definitely a player we're used to and have seen a lot of because the Vikings have played the Eagles uh, quite a bit over the years, and he was a mainstay on the Eagles offensive line. He's now a member of the Lions. However, he was injured last year and did not play. So he's coming off a back injury. At his peak, Vitai is a very solid starter, mm-hmm. but you have to question Vitai coming off of an injury. So I'm giving him a middle of the of the road grade here, and he comes in at a five. Yep. At his peak, very solid starter up there, six plus, seven, seven plus, but I can't give him that grade uh, considering he didn't play last year. Swing, Graham Glasgow, I believe, out of Michigan, so a local product there for the Lions. <clears throat> Uh, Position flexibility, Um, this could also be Jermaine Effetti for the Lions, although I think we pegged him as more of an outside player, so Glasgow's the guy we'll grade on the interior for a swing player. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great flexibility, good experience. I actually think because the talent and reliability along the interior of the offensive line league-wide is so poor, I think he'd be a borderline or legit starter for most teams. For the Mm -hmm. Lions, he's a backup. Um, So I gave him uh, the highest grade we can give a backup. I gave him a five. I think Mm -hmm. if you need a long-term injury replacement and you get to lean on Graham Glasgow, you're in really good shape. So my grade here, I guess, the more I talk about some of these grades, I kind of grade on a curve, Mm -hmm. it seems, because I'm grading it relative to what an alternative might be. And... Mm -hmm. I look at what the Vikings are dealing with. I look at what some other teams are dealing with for depth on the interior, and it's not very good, and I think the Lions have a, have great options, and so Glasgow gets a five. So Jonah Jackson, nine out of ten. Ragnall, nine out of ten. Vaitai five out of ten. Glasgow, five out of ten. Uh, let's see, my private school math puts us there uh, at a 28 for a total.
1: 28, boom, boom. Yeah. What honestly, say you? yeah I think we had a lot of similarities here for Jonah Jackson 26 years old uh, I love this guy I think he's part of what yep. makes the offensive line for the Lions so good uh, maybe one of the best in the league if not the best in the league for 2023 uh, but at the end of the day uh, he was the 27th uh, overall graded guard last year he was 11th in run and 63 in pass uh, like you said he didn't give it up any sacks but he had a pretty tremendous issue with pressures uh, which we'll get into with the Minnesota Vikings in terms of comparisons but uh, he was towards the bottom in pressures allowed mm-hmm. and and did not do great from a penalty standpoint so uh, ultimately i gave him a seven um, with the opportunity for him to go up to an eight or a nine if he's able to clean up some of those pressures because didn't allow sacks so that's phenomenal uh, but if he can clean up some of the pressures and the penalties i think he has the opportunity to be eight or a nine so uh pretty phenomenal left guard there for the detroit lions uh when you move over to the center position for frank rag now um awesome dude on and off the field he actually went to school with one of our credit analysts here at um uh, where i work here at klc um uh, i heard he's a phenomenal person behind the scenes uh, and ultimately a great leader for the the entire Detroit offensive line. Um, he was ultimately the fifth graded uh, center in the entire league. He was fifth in pass or uh, fifth in run rather, uh, and fifteenth in pass. Uh, another one where I think he gave up a little bit too many pressures um, for him to be ultimately graded a ten. Um, so I gave him a nine. If he was able to clean up his pressures a little bit, I think that he maybe would be the best center in the league. Period. I think he's he's pretty phenomenal. Um, especially with J.C. Treader out of the, out of the realm. Um, yeah. I think I think uh, Ragnar is is up there with the best. So, uh, yeah, definitely gave him a 9 out of 10. Uh, when you move over to Vitai uh, for the Lions at the right guard position, uh, I completely agree uh, with everything you mentioned. I think he is a phenomenal starter when healthy. It's just a matter of whether or not he can remain his health uh, in a positive footing. Uh, he's 30 years old. I and mean, he's 6'6", six, six, 328 pounds. This is a big old dude. So, especially for a right guard, that is very tall for a right guard. I think he's the tallest right guard in the NFC North. Uh, maybe even in the league, I'd have to double check on that, but ultimately a player from TCU, uh, drafted in 2016. Um, I would say when he did play in 2021, uh, I think he was about middle of the road for most categories. He was the 32nd ranked guard. He was 40th in run 35th in pass. Um, so ultimately I gave him a six, um, because I think he had a little bit of a downtick in 2021, uh, but years prior, he was much better. So I give him an upwards of a seven or an eight, but I did give him a six for this specific position. Uh, when it comes to Graham Glasgow for the swing position, uh, I give him a five as well. When you think about all the backup yeah. interior offensive linemen, this guy can show up and show out. So, um, when you look at the entire interior of the Detroit offensive line, this is what makes them so good. Um, uh, because not only do they have great guys starting, but they have pretty decent depth behind them. So, uh, um, even if you get not down a peg in terms of injury during the year, um, I don't think that'll scare you from this standpoint.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, really, really solid group here, don't, don't you think, Giles? I mean, oh my goodness,
1: yeah, probably one of it, the best interiors in the entire NFL it,
0: in the league. Yep. Yeah. and and we'll talk about them in totality along with the rest of the teams when we talk about our notes when we're done giving these grades. But um, spoiler alert: the Lions really good up front. Yeah. All right, <laughs> let's move on to the green and gold, the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, a team in transition uh, mm-hmm. as they go away from Aaron Rodgers and to Jordan Love, and I think that's a relevant note because of the synergy that you need to have between those two positions, the quarterback and the offensive line, and the way quarterbacks can elevate the play of those around them, the way quarterbacks can make up for mistakes around uh, from those around them. And so offensive line will be an area that's uh, of high interest for me, for the Packers, <clears throat> because they're going to be tested more than they ever have been without Rodgers and Mm -hmm. with a young, inexperienced quarterback now. So it's the offensive line who's going to be forced to maybe cover up for a young, inexperienced quarterback rather than the other way around, at least this year or early this year for the Packers. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about their interior. Um, All of that um, insinuates that there is a little bit of, uneven footing here for the offensive line but where we start at left guard with Green Bay is with a very solid player in Elgin Jenkins. Um, oh, by the way with uh, in terms of personnel here, we'll go Jenkins Myers, Runyon, and I have Zach Tom. You might have someone different because I think you had Tom as your swing tackle
1: I did have Tom as a swing tackle. I mean, I yep. think he could serve both roles definitely, but I did have Royce Newman as my okay. swing interior.
0: So we'll, we'll grade t- uh, two different players along the interior, but the scale remains the same. And uh, the folks will just get a, a bonus evaluation uh, with a, with an additional player. So we'll start with Jenkins left guard um, four penalties last year and three sacks allowed. Mm-hmm. Not awesome. Um, but he did come back from an injury and, He has been a player that the Packers have experimented with at a lot of different positions, right tackle, left tackle, and then along the interior. I believe he's even had some snaps, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, a guy with some flexibility, that's a plus. Um, However, when you can't get a guy to settle on a position, that can be a negative. I do think left guard's a pretty natural position for him to be in uh, in terms of his build and his ability. So I think this is a good spot for him. He, it's his second year off of an injury, so I still think he's a good player. I think he's on the rise. I think his career arc is still in a positive-facing uh, position. I gave him an 8 uh, on a scale of 0 to 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Myers at center. You know, always playing. Uh, he's reliable. He's always playing, but I think his performance is spotty. I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's a lot like Cody Whitehair
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: in terms of his up and down um uh performance and i think he's a player who probably benefited greatly from aaron Rodgers. and i know mm-hmm. they all did because he's one of the greatest ever but you know the quarterback and the center have to work together a lot you know it's, it's kind of like in school when you had a partner for a project like one of you was really good at it and you were okay you know but like your partner was like really good like like yeah. you got teamed up with with the whiz yeah. You know, I, I think Josh Myers has been teamed up with the Wiz, and so he's looked really good, but I don't know if he's <clears throat> really that good. Um, So he, he's the worst-grade PFF player among Green Bay starters last year along the offensive line. But, mm-hmm. You know, So um, I'm not super high on him. I hope that he, like, for his sake, I hope he proves me wrong. You know, and yeah. I'm giving him a 6 out of 10, and a year from now, if we're doing this, and I give him an 8 out of 10, bravo to him. but i don't i don't see it i think he's a six out of ten a guy you can get by with not a guy you'd build around and definitely a guy who could be uh supplanted as a starter this season by someone uh lower on the depth chart
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, right guard john runyon uh whose father played in the nfl this is uh john runyon jr Uh, I have him at right guard, another guy who could have some position flexibility, who could be supplanted as a starter. But when he plays well, I think he's a really good player. Very durable. Only one penalty last year. Did allow three sacks, which isn't great, uh, but you can get by with it. I gave him a 7 out of 10. He's a young player. I think he's an ascending player. That's why he gets a 7. If there's a significant change in his performance, it would be to the up. up. It would be he'd become an 8 or a 9. Um, but I I think a seven right now is appropriate for him. Um, And again, a guy who could end up at left tackle um, or possibly tackle, or left guard or possibly tackle. Mm -hmm. And then my swing interior is Zach Tom. Giles, you evaluated Tom uh, earlier uh, in our position evaluation series as a tackle. I'm evaluating him as an interior player. I think he Mm -hmm. could end up being their starting center. Um, if there's an injury to Jenkins or Runyon, he would easily slide into guard. And if there's a performance problem at tackle, I think they could train him out there. So I give him a five out of five. I don't think you can ask for much more, um, realistically out of an interior, uh, swing player. So Jenkins, eight out of 10 Myers, six out of 10 Runyon, seven out of 10 Tom, five out of 10. Fourteen and twelve is twenty six. So uh the Packers get a twenty six, which is a, a couple of notches beneath the Bears and Lions for me.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, Honestly, we have a lot of similarities here for the men in uh, green and gold as well, starting with Elton Jenkins, 27 years old, obviously. He was the 12th overall graded um, uh, guard in football last year. He was ninth in the run. Uh, however, he was 35th in pass. Um, he had another kind of uh, issue with pressures allowed. Um, so I think if he's able to clean up those pressures and uh, once again, some penalties, I think he could be even better. Um, ultimately, I did give him a seven with the opportunity to go up to an eight or a nine. Uh, more than likely an eight, uh, I don't see necessarily nine out of Jenkins but I do see him on the rise Uh, but I do see him as a a very quality uh, left guard that has some eliteness to him in certain aspects of his game so I love Elton Jenkins Uh, definitely trade for him if I could um Uh, so moving on to the center position for Josh Meyer uh, I agree with you he's kind of an interesting question mark for the for the offensive line there Uh, he was the 28th ranked uh, center rather last year Um, he was seventh in pass so he was pretty phenomenal in pass protection he had barely uh, any pressures allowed uh, very little penalties like this guy's a very clean player however he's such a big guy that he struggles in the run he was 35th in the run uh, which then I think really struggles with that so I think um, if he could improve his versatility I think that may improve improve uh, aspects of his game uh so because of that uh, of that i gave him a six out of ten uh, as a center um so then moving over to the right guard position for uh for runyon um i see some upside here uh but at the end of the day i gave him a six out of ten um, mm-hmm. because I see him as someone that is horrible at the run. And I mean, he is one of the worst <laughs> run blockers in the league, Okay, um, but pretty decent at pass. I uh, yeah. gave up some pressures allowed, but I um, mean, he was he, uh, decent in terms of sacks allowed, but horrible against the run. Uh, but I also th- see him as a, maybe a little bit oversized. So I think if he can lose a little bit of weight, I think maybe there's a chance hmm. that he can improve his run game. Uh, but I think there's a trend forming here for a team that loves to run the ball. Um, they have some interior guys that struggle to run the ball. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think there's some interesting things there, but then from a, a swing interior standpoint, I have Royce Newman. And at the end of the day, he is a, I guess uh, a, a typical backup interior offensive lineman. He doesn't like wow me in any category, uh, but he's also not a train wreck necessarily. So I gave him a three out of five. Yep. Um, so that brings my entire score uh, for the Packers to a 22 out of 35 score. And a really, two, two things of note here, Giles. one, is
0: this is a team that clearly is and should be trying to lean on the run more and more Mm -hmm. do you agree yeah right so i even think they started doing that with rogers still yeah and then yeah and and now they really need to do it and it's not because jordan love has no chance and will never be good and can't do it i mean i i think he's got a chance to be good Mm -hmm. it's just they need to be more balanced and balance is almost always good right they also oh, have air, they also have two really good running backs. So yep. um and so you noted that you're noticing some run blocking grades that aren't great mm-hmm. for a team that's going to be trying to run the ball more and more, right? Yep. So yep. interesting to note that, I think.
1: I think it's important to remember that they used to have Corey Lindsley at center, who is—I yeah. mean, other than Frank Ragnow, probably one of the best centers in the league—and I think he had a pretty tremendous impact on the run game. Uh, and when you look at their drop-off in performance uh, across the board when they had Rodgers, mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty coincided with the departure of Corey Lindsley. So I think um, you know, I think that has had uh, pretty tremendous negative impacts on their run game.
0: Yep, for sure. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if some of those players that we are projecting are not great necessarily at run blocking, get better at it because there's one thing that is so basic that Zim said, but it also was so profound. He's like, uh, one of his sayings was you get good at what you practice. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. That's pretty simple, but profound. So it's like green Bay is (laughs) going to be working more and more on it more Mm. than they ever have. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see if, um, if they get, those interior players get better at run blocking. But the other thing I was gonna say, um, too, about your analysis that I appreciate, is the ability to marry the, the data, the, um, with, with like watching them play and your instinct with the data, the hard mm-hmm. data, right? So, yep. and, and that's really valuable when it comes to someone like John Runyon Jr. Because when mm-hmm. I see the name Runyon, I think of his father, who was a yeah. stud for the Eagles. Yeah. Like, he's a 10 out of 10 every year, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I can't help but be biased for him when I see the name Runyon, you know? Yeah. And so part of that's not fair because every player needs to be evaluated on their own merit. Yeah. Part of it is fair, though, because it's not just like a coincidence that this guy made it to the NFL. He's got good pedigree. He's got oh, good absolutely. genes, right? Yeah. So um, it's he's probably going to be good but we still need to make him earn it um, yeah. anyway. So I do appreciate that about your analysis. Cause the way you do it, I think you you guard against that more than someone like I can, because I see that name running and I'm just like, like he's Whoa. immediately <laughs> above a five, <laughs> right? Yeah. So he's
1: right. Okay. So not
0: yeah. necessarily fair. So
1: yeah, no, I totally get that.
0: I, I get, I guess the way you would say it is you, you are very good at marrying the qualitative and the quantitative, I guess is how I would say it. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to the Vikings. <laughs> Shucks. Um, yeah, yeah, let's go to the Vikings. I went Ezra Cleveland, left guard, Bradbury, center, Ingram, right guard, Chris Reed, swing. Are we aligned yep, we're there? We're
1: completely aligned for the men in purple. All, right.
0: all right, great. Ezra Cleveland, of all the analysis I did, of all the players, I would say I learned the most or my opinion changed the most on Ezra Cleveland. Of all the okay. players in the offensive line, in, in all of the division. Um, I do think he's got peaks and valleys, um, more than maybe you'd like to see. But I think that leveled out more and more as last season went on. Uh, I believe it was five sacks and five penalties last year for him. So, mm-hmm. But there were stretches of very high-level play. Mm -hmm. um with him where it was really good and i think he's like a perfect fit for kevin o'connell's scheme for what the vikings want to do i think he's like exactly what you want so Mm -hmm. he's got some ground to make up he's got a ways to go but he's a guy i think i I will not be surprised if they extend him if they give him another contract okay at all um and so I think i'm a little bullish here on him i think i'm a little higher than i should be and i'm definitely higher than i was okay but i i like him a lot actually and yeah and i and i know people can pull a snippet of film and tweet it at me or send it to me and be like oh really you gave this guy and i'll tell you what my grade is here in a minute you gave this guy that grade watch this you know and he's going to be embarrassed by fletcher cox doing something you know unbelievable to him but I just I have got a good feeling about Ezra Cleveland. I think mm-hmm. Kevin O'Connell really likes him. I think they're going to extend him, and I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. I gave him an eight. Um, Ooh, there we go. I, I did. I gave him an eight. I think he's a great player. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be a great player. Okay. Um. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Garrett Bradbury uh, at center. Surprisingly, pretty good PFF grades. Yeah. I see him get overpowered so much, though, Giles. Mm-hmm. But I think you gotta give up if you're gonna be athletic, which the Vikings want to be up front. I know everyone wants to be athletic, but you can't be all the things. You can't be long and athletic and powerful and fast and durable. And you can't be all the things. You gotta choose yeah. what you're gonna be for the yeah. most part. I think the Vikings are choosing to be mobile, athletic. They're choosing to be nebulous. They're choosing to be um, that style. I think is what they're choosing to be. Cleveland fits that perfectly so does Bradbury. So, yep, you're gonna get overpowered every now and then. Robinson is gonna eat your lunch every now and then, or Fletcher Cox is gonna do something to you that's gonna embarrass you. But that's what you're gonna give. What you're gonna get is what Bradbury can do for you in the run game. So, um, I'm a little bit higher on him than some. I gave him a seven. Um, I do think that that's about his peak, though. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, we talk a lot about these grades we give, and it's like, yeah, I gave him a five, but he could be a seven or an eight if all goes well. Like. Bradbury's a seven when all goes well, I think. Like that to yes. me is his peak. Yep. Um Ed Ingram at right guard, I'm not so high on. And you no, know, I think I, I I go back to conversations you and I have had on air and off air about Ed Ingram. You notice some mistakes that he makes that you think are rookie mistakes, and he's making them in the advanced stages of his rookie year. I don't like that. Um so I'm I'm pretty low on on Ingram mm-hmm. overall. I, I thought it got pretty dicey from a PFF standpoint. And from a practical standpoint, he did mm-hmm. give up 11 sacks, um, according to PFF, which is like, I don't that that might have been a league high. I, I, that's almost hard to do, yep. you know? Um, it is hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had four penalties, so I gave him a five on a scale of 0 to 10. I gave him a five. I think you're scraping by right now with Ed Ingram. He is a really young player, so we have to give him some grace and the prospect that he could improve. Uh, But right now, it's not very good. Uh, And then Chris Reed, you know, I know the pedigrees there, Ohio State, all of that. I'm unimpressed overall. I know he's got flexibility, which you want out of your swing, but I think that's really about all he has. I think the Vikings need to trade for someone to be their swing guy or to be their starter at right guard. I think they're hurting for depth, so as high as I am, on Cleveland, and as solid of a grade as I gave to Bradbury, I don't like their depth, I don't like their swing, and I don't like Ed Ingram. So, um, Chris, Chris Reed gets a two out of five. So, Cleveland eight out of 10, Bradbury seven out of 10, Ingram five out of 10, Reed two out of 10, the total is 22.
1: Boom, okay. All right, honestly, we have some areas of similarity again, starting at the left guard position for Ezra Cleveland. Um, I have such mixed feelings about this because um, gut reaction is I love Ezra Cleveland. Um, yeah. He was the eighth graded guard last year out of 88 qualified guards, he was fourth and run. So he is. One of the best run blockers in the entire NFL, and that's across both left and right guard. When you say okay. out of 88 qualified guards, that's both left and right. So out of all 88 starting left and right guards, uh, or at least, you know, the uh, guards that played above 20% of snaps, he was the fourth best run blocker. Um, the part that really struggles here is... His pressures. Uh, there was only one other player in the entire NFL that gave up more pressures than Ezra Cleveland. Um, he is not good at uh, at pass blocking. Now, maybe you call it his his uh, size. He's 6'6", 3'12". Um, so I don't know if he's just too tall to play guard to be a great pass blocker. Um, now, ultimately, he didn't give up a ton of sacks, so I will give that to him. Like, uh, you know, uh, pressures are nothing if they don't turn into anything. Like if you can still be productive, it's fine. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're really trying to improve your offensive line I think giving up less pressure should be a priority for Ezra. Uh, If he really wants to earn another amazing next contract, I think the pressure should be something to focus on. he is the elite of elite at run blocking, and he's towards the bottom of the league at pass blocking. So you really okay. have a, a tale of two stories there. Um, and he's not great at a penalty standpoint. He was 57th uh, in penalties. So um, at the end of the day, I gave him a six with the upside of him having an eight score. Uh, if he's able to clean up his pressures, honestly, <laughs> um, I mean, he didn't have a ton of penalties. He, he wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible. If he can clean up his pressures, he'll go to an eight. Uh, but currently he's at a six.
0: Okay. Let me stop you and ask you a question there. Um, yeah. I'm in my analysis of Cleveland, what I noticed and what I mentioned in speaking with you a little bit earlier was Mm -hmm. I saw peaks and valleys in performance. Yep. Are those peaks and valleys a function of he's always a good run blocker. He's always a poor pass blocker. So the peaks and valleys are there or did he peak and valley as a run blocker as well in your view?
1: Um, there were a few games in which he didn't have the greatest run blocking, but for the most part, he had very solid performance and had pretty elite level glimpses. I mean, like where he was in the nineties for PFF grade. Now when it came to pass blocking, um, he had a game where he had a 0.0 in pass blocking, Um, right. Uh, like literally uh, I don't even know how that's possible to be honest right, right. Uh, he only had one game uh, against the Chicago Bears where he had an 84.5 against pass blocking but for the rest I mean there's a lot of 40s and 50s um, uh. you know so there was some peaks and valleys I guess for pass blocking but run blocking he was good um, yeah. you know but uh, that zero game really uh, destroys my confidence there but yeah. if he can fix that like I, I do believe him as a, a player that has improved every year he's been in the league um, when you look at his performance he has taken a step forward every single time he stepped on the field uh, when it comes season to season. So if he's able to take that next step, I am excited to see what that could do for the team because he is not a train wreck. I don't mean to paint a picture where like, "Ah, let's move on from Ezra because we can clearly do better. He is a great above average guard. I mean, he was the eighth best guard in the league last year. Yeah. Um, But if he can improve the pressures, especially if you have someone like Kirk Cousins on our center, uh, I think that will really, really help. Uh, But at the end of the day, I'm really – I'm for Ezra Cleveland. If he can improve those pressures, uh, we got ourselves a game. All right. Moving on to the center position for Garrett Bradbury. I would agree with you. I think he's a solid seven if he has a a great year. Um, At the end of the day, he was the 10th overall graded center. He was ninth against the run, 18th against the pass. This is another scenario where he was bottom five in pressures. Uh, That's the area where he struggles the most, similar to Ezra Cleveland. Um, That's an area that needs to clean up. He's pretty good from a penalty standpoint, but his pressures is what destroys him. Um, At the end of the day, I think if he could somehow pack on even more weight and become great at pass blocking uh, and, and and get rid of his pressure problem he maybe would be a top five guard, uh, center in the league and i would maybe bring him up to an eight or a nine but at the end of the day i think he's a seven perpetually um and I, i'm fine with us re-signing him uh considering the step forward that he took last year i do think that's partially us scheming him into a good position i don't necessarily think that like wow he's amazing already i think he is a phenomenal run blocker uh he is probably the best reach blocker in the entire nfl he's phenomenal at that he's very agile um he's also very intelligent i know a lot of people in the locker room have called him the most intelligent person there um so that's someone i want under center like you need someone that's smart um so i really really like that but if he can pack on a little bit of weight maybe and improve his pass protection i think there might be a game ball there as well um so moving on to the right guard position, Ed Ingram. This is this is uh, a tough one to evaluate because um, when I was talking about Ezra Cleveland, how he uh, had so many pressures, and there was only one other player in the entire NFL that gave up more pressures than him. It was Ed Ingram. He was okay. the worst pass protecting guard in the nfl he gave up more pressures than anyone in the nfl um which is not great um now he was 29th in run blocking so he's agile enough to be at least decent in the run he's not phenomenal um, but the pass blocking is where he uh really really skewed up Uh, uh at the end of the day i view him as a prototypical guard when you look at him from a physical standpoint um and he had a ton of rookie mistakes now this may be uh, an area where you can call me a homer where i'm defending ed ingram versus trashing other no. players that did horrible um but the reason i'm giving him a little bit of a stay of execution here is that he is going into his second year he's probably the youngest offensive lineman uh out of all the nfc north uh, in terms of starting statuses and when you look at his play-by-play across every game across the season last year um, when you get to the end of the year He actually had an 82.2 pass blocking grade. When you look at the the tape, um, I see him making less and less mistakes that he made uh, significantly further on in the season where... In the, in the last half of the, or last quarter of the season, he had 70 grades, he had 80 grades in pass protection versus through the entire first half of the year, he didn't get above a 40, I think, in pass block uh, the PFF grade. Like he was horrible. So he's definitely improving. So if he's able to correct those mistakes this offseason, I actually expect him to be above average guard. Now, that's a projection. If he doesn't fix those, then I think we move on uh, off of immediately put Chris Reed in. Um, you need to move off him. I, I don't think you give him much more time beyond this offseason. but okay. I do project that he might have a possibility of being a good, uh, good right guard there. So, um, the story is still out on him, but I did give him a four because at the end of the day, he did not do well last year. Um, right. now I do give him an upside of an eight. Honestly, I give him upside of an eight if he's able to improve those things, but it currently he's at a four. Um, And then when you factor into Chris Reed, this is an interesting one because I think uh, when he was playing for the Indianapolis Colts and he was uh, playing for some of their their hurt starters, he actually played pretty well. Um, I think sometimes Chris Reed gets a bad rap because he was put into a center position and had never played center before and honestly did not do super well. But when previously starting in a guard position, he's played in an, an above average and borderline elite level um but at the end of the day like we're talking about an interior swing uh guy so he has to play center so for that reason i gave him a three but i do think he has the upside of doing a four if he's able to become a better uh, center uh, but i did give him a three so at the end of the day uh across the entire interior of the minnesota vikings i did give them an 18 but i do think they have an upside of becoming a 25 maybe a 26 yeah. um i was even talking to a vikings fan out of tyler texas of all places recently yeah. i was at a convention and he's like honestly i think there's a huge upside to them and he thinks the offensive line is going to do so good that they're going to go to the nfc championship game because of it this year uh he is super high on them so i think excuse me if you look at the entire uh, minnesota fan base i think there's an upside here that people are intrigued by so good job dan Yeah. (laughs) yeah and i mean i don't think he that opinion is so far
0: out out of out in left field that it's not realistic or it is laughable at all. Mm-hmm. I, and I think when we look at this analysis in totality, because now we've done each team individually, mm-hmm. so let's sort of meld them all together. Yeah. When you look at the offensive lines across the NFC North, and we'll start with the Vikings, you know, it's clear to me that Detroit has the best group. In fact, Detroit might have the best group um might be among the best groups in the entire National Football League. But, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, the Vikings, as an offensive line in totality now, not just talking about the interior, but talking about the entire group, I think the Vikings are competitive along Mm -hmm. the offensive line. I think they've gotten better. They've invested some draft capital in it, and that's paying dividends. And there's an X factor here that I think is definitely to their advantage, and I'll get to that in just a second. But – Overall, I think the Vikings are competitive at this position. They have a clear line of delineation here, though, Giles, of strength and weakness. Their strength is on on the exterior with the tackles. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Brian O'Neill and Christian Dara saw as bookend tackles is that's an elite combination in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a strength of not just this position group. That's a strength of the team. Mm-hmm. O'Neill and Darisaw. I mean, they are strong on the edge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think if you look at it and you start there and you talk about Ezra Cleveland the way we talked about Ezra Cleveland and even Bradbury to some extent, so now you've, you're working your way inside. If there is a significant shift in performance from where they were last year, let, if I told you the Vikings offensive line last year, their overall grade – was a six out of 10, Mm -hmm. it's gonna go up two and a half points. It's gonna go up or down two and a half points this year. Yep. It's gonna be below a five, or it's gonna be an eight and a half. What's more Mm -hmm. likely? I'd say it's more likely it's gonna be an eight and a half.
1: I would agree. Yep.
0: Like, they're projecting to be better. They're competitive as they are, and they're projecting to be better. Yep. I think they have the worst depth in the division, and maybe among the worst in the league, yep and they have the most ground to make up at right guard however mm-hmm. while i don't know that they can do much about their depth at this stage ed ingram has the opportunity to play a lot better going into a second year so i give him a mm-hmm. chance to be better there and so overall i think they're in an, an a solid position that could be a really really good position yeah and to me the x factor here that really matters with the vikings offensive line is Kevin O'Connell and the scheme. Mm -hmm. I think the personnel and the scheme are married very well, and I think the deficiencies that exist, Kevin O'Connell looks at them and he says, well, I've got some tricks up my sleeve where we can get around those. I don't think Kevin O'Connell is sitting there with his back against the wall being like, I I don't know how we're going to do this. Like, Like, I don't think he's going... To the GM and being like, I need three more guys.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't have re-signed Bradbury if that was the case.
0: Right, so to me, the Vikings offensive line is in an okay position and it could be a really good position. I don't Mm -hmm. think that they project to be as good as the Lions, Mm -hmm. but I think they project to be good enough to be better than the Lions overall as a team. So sitting here right now, I feel better about their offensive line situation right now than I did when I left uh, the Vikings in 2019. I can't say I feel as good about it as I did in 09 when we went to the title game or as I did in 98 when we watched him go to the title game. Um, yeah. But I really like what Ezra Cleveland could be. I think Bradbury is more than good enough. The jury is out on Ed, Ed Ingram, and they're about as good as possible on on the exterior at offensive tackle.
1: Absolutely. I think uh, if you were to rank them on a scale of 1 to 10 for the entire offensive lines, I would give you the Vikings a 7, the Lions an 8, but borderline a 9. The Packers are a 6, and the Bears are a 5. Uh, considering the Vikings gave up the most interior pressures than any other team in the NFL, I actually have some pretty tremendous optimism for what they could do if they're improving, uh, especially with your comment about uh, Kevin O'Connell. I think, um, I think with the addition of Jordan Addison and the ability for us to play 12 personnel, I think there's ways for us to massage over that and beef up when it comes to pressures uh and be able to improve performance and speed up plays um i expect those pressures to to go down i think there's a chance that they could go to top half of the league in terms of interior pressures allowed um so i'm really excited to see what that can be yep
0: me too uh, and i had a similar ranking to you guys you know detroit's the clear cut number one yeah um and i i think minnesota green bay and chicago are all sort of right there you know mm-hmm. and Chicago is so weak on the outside that I don't mm-hmm. think you can really argue that they're the second best. No. They're really good on the inside. Yes. Uh, I, yep. I think the bears are great on the interior. I'm a little higher on white hair than you are, but we both mm-hmm. love Nate Davis and we both think Tevin Jenkins projects to be really good. So yes, you know, the bears are very good on the interior, but they're pretty poor on the outside. Yep. So that probably puts them in the cellar um, mm-hmm. in the NFC North uh, mm-hmm. from an offensive line standpoint. And then minnesota and green bay are very i think comparable and however i think green bay has less of a swing factor to the positive than the vikings do the vikings have a very significant upside here Mm -hmm. and the way they achieve that upside is bradbury just stays as is Mm -hmm. just be him just garrett just be who you are yep Obviously, health is the qualifier here for everyone at every position at all times. yep <laughs> Bradbury, just stay where you are. Yep. Offensive tackles are good. Stay where they are. Ingram just takes a more than an incremental step, but a step forward. You know, and Cleveland becomes what we project him to be, and the Vikings are what you need to be uh, up front.
1: Absolutely. And
0: what more can you ask for coming from a position? as a franchise where you've consistently struggled to be good at this position.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, considering that we had a train wreck at right guard, considering he was a rookie and, uh, you know, and all that that entails, we had maybe one of the best offensive line seasons last year. And I think it it got translated into our record. I think that was a pretty tremendous uh, uh, leading indicator for our record throughout the entire season. That was a pretty big impactor uh, having a yep. at least a, a, a solid offensive line. There were areas where we obviously were deficient, but if we can take a step forward, I think that is going to be one of the recipes for us to continue what we did in 2022.
0: Yep. Agreed. All right, um, so this was interior offensive line, and then we sort of uh, tied it all together with the uh, offensive tackles. So we got the entire offensive line done, Um, and so we're going to move on to a couple of other position groups here in the next couple of episodes of the Wobcast 2.0. We're going to do interior defensive line and interior linebackers in our next Mm -hmm. two episodes. So... Uh, For those listening, if you've really enjoyed this deep dive analysis on every position group for the Vikings and the entire NFC North, we encourage you to stay tuned for the next few episodes as we continue this uh, series, as we evaluate in very detailed fashion every roster in the NFC North, and we stack them up and compare them to each other. And at the end of the day, we'll see whose roster we feel the best about in the NFC North heading into the 2023 regular season. Uh, So far, I'd say we feel the best about the Vikings and Lions rosters in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll see if that trend continues as we take a look at inside linebackers and the interior defensive line in the next two episodes. Before we wrap this up, though, gals, there's one more thing I wanted to run past you if you got a few minutes. Let's do it. Okay. Um, Patriots, rumored to be interested in both DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook.
1: Interesting. Um, I've also heard rumor that Robert Kraft and Mr. Belichick are not seeing eye to eye at the moment. So I don't know who would be leading that. I mean, I've heard the rumors about D hop. I haven't heard the rumors about cook. And if I'm being completely candid, I thought that was D hops way of trying to generate demand for himself saying, Oh, the Patriots are about to sign me. Anyone else yeah. put a bid in, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause if I was him, I don't know if I'd want to go to the Patriots. Um, they're kind of a question market quarterback, not because I don't necessarily believe in him, but I don't think Bill believes in him. Uh, And I think that is a destroyer of a franchise. Um, So honestly, I don't know if I see that happening, but um, if they could get it all together, I'm not against him as a quarterback. If they could figure out their scheme and get those two pieces, I mean, he's a great coach. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, that could be interesting.
0: Okay. Uh, I thought it was interesting because those are obviously the two best players, at least um, from a a superficial standpoint, those are the two best players out there in the market, right? So- Yeah, absolutely. And I say superficial because just because players have the most name credibility doesn't mean they're the best players. But um, those two guys, very impactful players still to this day, especially Dalvin Cook, I believe. I thought it was interesting, though, Giles, and this is the last point before we go. You mentioned the possibility of Dalvin coming back to the Vikings on the last episode of the Robcast 2.0. Kirk Cousins, like the next day, made the same point. You saw that. Okay. All right. So you and Kirk on the same wavelength there.
1: I don't want to say we've been texting about it, but hey, who knows? (laughs) Um,
0: Let's not rule that out. Dalvin Cook's still unsigned. Maybe there's some room for Dalvin Cook on the Vikings roster in 2023. Time will tell. All right. Um, If you are not subscribed to the Wobcast 2.0, we encourage you to do so. You can find the Wobcast 2.0 on YouTube and wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. So please go and do that. Subscribe. Listen to us uh, every single week as we continue to bring you the best Vikings content and NFL content that we can. On behalf of Giles, this is Wobby signing off for now. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Wabcast 2.0. Until then, Skull Vikings.